The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. The editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Sorry, I got something in my throat there. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the screen. The one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from yesterday, so if you missed that, it's a little choppy. The, I don't know if it was the internet. I don't know if it's Rumble. I I just, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, it's available to you up until 3 o'clock this afternoon, at which time he'll be live in that little area there. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button. Uh, expand that out, blow it up on whatever device you've got. Look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. You can click on that and join us in the chat on Rumble. We are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Um, so be sure and check that out. <clears throat> excuse me. And then um, right up under that. Oh, excuse me. We are on BeforeIt'sNews.com as well on the top of the page there. And we appreciate those guys uh, putting us up. Well, right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Get that. 7 to 8 o'clock Eastern is when it goes out, and uh, that includes the morning show archive. So if you're looking for any of this stuff, look, I, we're already getting some of this. Oh, this looks like Trump bashing that we're going to have today. No, actually, I'm talking about his supporters, although we'll deal with, with Trump too, but I'm, I'm talking about his supporters and what they're engaged in, okay? So um, just hang on, and you're going to see it. You're going to see it, and this is what I talked about, about distinguishing the supporters who can divvy out his error and those who just go blatantly right into it okay uh, so just hang in there but you'll have all those links up that we're going to talk about today okay finally if you agree with us our message and you'd like to help us stay out there doing what we're doing there's a donate button at the top of sons of liberty media.com click on that make a one-time donation or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty and uh, we really do appreciate you uh, doing that very very much <clears throat> And let me just preface this. I've said it over and over. I don't have to uh, sit here and convince the majority of people who listen to this show that Joe Biden is a, is a traitor, that he is a pedophile, um, that his administration is bogus, that it's fake, that it's ill. I don't have to convince most people of that. They already know this. The problem is convincing the guys that they support are just as wicked that's really the problem and the wickedness of their uh, of many of them's own hearts that they will justify what's unjustifiable they'll take even when their guy does the lawless deed they'll make excuses for it well he had to because or well if obama could do it or if biden could do it then our guy can do it that, that, that's the justification guys that's one it's hypocrisy and it's a level of idolatry, okay? So let's, <clears throat> first of all, I want to take this one. This is, uh, this is one that Bradley put up yesterday. This is sonsoflibertymedia.com. And uh, his article, <clears throat> excuse me, 
was DeSantis jumps on climate change hoax. For those of you who still have not awakened to Ron DeSantis, listen up. And so there is a, a video here, and let's hear what uh what let's hear what Ron has to say about uh, the push for climate change. And I want to ask I want to ask everybody who's even th- considering voting for this guy. This is just one of many areas that Ron DeSantis cannot be trusted in. Again, remember, his allegiance is to a foreign entity, the Vatican. He is a Roman Catholic. Oh, well, I'm a Roman Catholic too. Well, why are you still in that apostate church? The church has been calling out Rome for hundreds of years. They don't have a, they don't have a true saving gospel. They have a works righteousness gospel, which is no gospel at all. It actually damns the speaker who's giving it, and it damns the person. Okay, so take a listen here. Here's DeSantis, and this is on um, uh, his talk on uh, the climate change hoax. Check it out. The sea rise may be because of human activity and the changing climate. You know, maybe it's not. Oops. I don't know, but what I do know is I see the sea rising. I see the increased flooding in South Florida. Ron DeSantis says he wants a billion dollars put toward (laughs) efforts to brace the state of Florida for the impacts of climate change. He's brought science back into the equation to some extent. He's hired a chief science officer for the state of Florida to talk about how to handle the effects of climate change. We are now ready to award over $8.5 million in contracts to build 74 additional fast electric charging stations along Florida's major highways. The development of charging infrastructure is essential to increasing the number of electrical vehicles on our streets. Worrying about the climate, the climate. Oh, I heard that the other day. Here we are, guys, threatening us. He's worried about the ocean will rise one hundredth of one percent. Over the next 300 fucking years. Oh, I'm sorry. And there's just another example of out of the heart, the mouth speaks. But, but that, sorry about that. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay. And, um, and there you have it. I mean, there, this, is, this is the things that they are actually pushing uh, with regard to this. Um, and, you know, you see Donald Trump trying to set himself up as somewhat different. But if I'm not mistaken, several of the bills that he signed for spending, a lot of it went to stuff like that. If I'm not mistaken. And I will, uh, I'll go back and check that. But <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that we've covered some stuff where he gave some leeway to some of that too, even though he, but he talks out of both sides of his mouth. And this, this is some of the things that we'll, we'll end up seeing. Uh, he did pull from the Paris Accord. That was a great move, by the way, for those of you who say you got nothing good to say about Donald Trump. Yeah, he came out of the Paris Accord. That's great. The Paris Agreement there. That's wonderful. But I'm going to tell you something. Taking NAFTA and setting up as USMCA, now you've created a small government over the three countries, and you can bet your bottom dollar they're going to start implementing things about climate change. Well, he didn't mean that. Go and read the thing. NAFTA plus 10% is what um, the president for the Council on Foreign Relations said that it was. It's got, I think it was close to 60% or maybe a little more than 60% of TPP, which he shut down, which was great that he shut it down, but he put a majority of it right back into USMCA. So I want you to keep that in mind. Now, I want to go back just a little bit. I think it was around, I think it was around 2012. And over here in Charlotte, they had, I think it was, yeah, it was in Charlotte. They had the Democrat National Convention. And uh, Barack Obama was running. And they had all of these people out there with their wares that they were selling. And there had already been a picture out with Obama with a crown of thorns. You guys are might remember it. He stretched out his arms like he's on a, on a cross. I with his head bowed, and he's in front of the, um, uh, the the curtains of the White House or whatever it is, you know, President Seal behind him, and all this. So they already were setting up this Messiah kind of view of that. And if you recall, uh, Louis Farrakhan was one of the guys telling the people to listen to this man; he's the Messiah, right? 
Well, with Donald Trump, I, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to pull up the one video because it's a long video and I don't know exactly the specific places, but I'll have the article up if you want to check it yourself. And Donald Trump is, is there meeting with some of these uh, Zionist Jews, if you will. And they're talking about how there's two messiahs to come. <clears throat> and they believe him. I think they said he was David. I, I, I don't remember exactly how it was. But they said Trump was one of these messiahs. And you can hear him on the tape saying it. He doesn't say anything back. And they, if I recall correctly, they went on to talk about his son-in-law being the second messiah. <clears throat> so all of this stuff is there. Um, and I want you to hear, I want you just to see this. If you're listening by way of radio, I'll try to paint the picture for you as best I can. I, I, if you haven't seen this, somebody sent this to me the other day. It's a, it's a long thing done by, uh, let me get the guy's name here. Uh, Vincent Rhodes. And I can't vouch for all the stuff that Vincent says in here. I just watched, I caught these two videos here. And it's it's just absolutely incredible to me. I noted that idolatry exists. I get it that it exists. I don't get it why people do it. Nevertheless, these are two examples of Trump worshipers, and there is no denying that they're worshiping. In fact, they're not even they're they're the, oh my goodness, yeah. The first one is is a guy, I think he's in India, okay? The second guy is in America. And um, yeah, for where there is no nothing being said, I'll try to paint the picture for you. But if you want to see it, sonsoflibertymedia.com is where you need to go. And you can check this out, and I'll have it available in the archives as well. Check this out. It's absolutely incredible. About that this morning, let's go back and let's just listen in on So this is Vincent talking. Trump. And see if we can, you know, uh, put together this whole thing here and see if there is a picture or even precedence for saying that Trump could be the Antichrist. And I'm not I'm not promoting that, but I'll tell you what, he will eventually uh, be a dictator. There's no question in my mind he will. Who would deceive the whole world. This guy right here has got a little shrine created. He's burning incense to... Uh, to Donald Trump, and he's got his beads out doing his prayers, bowing before Trump. He's got his uh, little offerings this man that they. in India worships Donald Trump like he's a god. He prays to him every day and even has a shrine in his honor. And his, his parents want nothing to do with him, but he still does it. And he's leading all these, it looks like he's got, I don't know, I guess that's his own family, I'm not sure. And then he's going to, he says that his family and village called him mad. Turn this down here just a little bit. Because Trump is his God. I'm going to see if we can just take this out here. He's not bothered about stuff others say. Trump is my God. He is in my heart. That's what this guy said in India. Okay. Donald Trump, if you can hear us, please, Donald Trump, please save me. This guy has please been arrested. Save me, Donald Trump, please. I'm asking you. Please save me. This is guy, this guy right here that you're seeing on the screen, he's been arrested by the police or detained. They're in the he's in the back of their car. This is um <clears throat> this is the camera in the back of the police car, picking him up. He's got his hands up over his head. His eyes are closed. And he's calling on Donald Trump to save him. Please save me. Please get these people away from me. In dear God's name, please stop this prison. Go <laughs> break. Hello, my friends. All right, so so that's those are the two videos I wanted to show you. And then, look, we've already seen the weirdness of these people following Michael Flynn, um, you know, who promotes Donald Trump. 
pray into the seven rays of light and the legions and in the name of legions. We're not called to do any of that. That is the very heart of Roman Catholicism. It's the very heart of idolatry. Rome teaches people to do that stuff. It teaches them to pray to saints. It teaches them to pray to, you know, Mary and others as though those people are intercessors for us now that they've gone on to be with the Lord. Nonsense. The Bible says there's a one mediator between God and man, the man Christ. And they go, yep, but there's a lot of mediators between you and Jesus. Wait a minute. What did it say? The Bible says a mediator between God and man. There's one of them. There's not like a fourth party going on here. There's one of them. And yet you see it. I'm not making it up. Oh, you know, as, as I said, we were starting the show. Somebody pops in. Oh, this looks like Trump bashing. No, this is warning. This is warning for people who engage in that kind of behavior and the kind of behavior that justifies that kind of behavior or that justifies, oh, I don't know, let's see, this kind of behavior. Here's an actual idol, a golden idol of Donald Trump that was erected at CPAC. Yeah. And people were just fine with it. That somehow God didn't say what he said about making carved images. And yet, there he is. There's Donnie in gold. Nobody said anything. How about these? This is what some of his supporters put up too. Um, this one. <clears throat> it says, make the gospel great again. And it's got Donald Trump's head on. It's a billboard. And it says, the word became flesh. Now, that's John 1.1, 1, 1, and it ain't talking about Donald Trump. Why anybody would put a billboard up like that that blurs the lines between Jesus and Donald Trump is, be, is because they're idolatrous. I don't, there's no other way you can say it. Donald Trump doesn't even know what the gospel is. Remember, he's the guy that said he never repented, never asked God for forgiveness. On camera, I mean, I can play it for you if you guys want to, if you want me to look it up and play it for you. For those of you who continue to deny what's right in front of your face, and then the one that we have on for the video this morning. You got an American flag billboard, Donald Trump to the side, and this is what it says. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. That's straight out of Isaiah. And then it says, joint heirs, Romans eight seventeen. What is somebody to get? Seriously, if anybody just had, oh, I don't know, just a little bit of Bible that's been given to them, what are they going to, what are they going to, pick from these two billboards or what are they going to understand that those billboards are conveying are they not going to understand that those billboards are conveying that Donald Trump is the word became flesh are they not to understand that he is the son who's been given and the government shall be upon is that not what is communicating if you think i'm wrong please let me know but um i don't i don't see any other way it can be now Donald Trump has told us who he is. In fact, he's told us this on several occasions. But this is um, this is from a while back. And I just want you to read. People want him to read this poem. And you need to be reminded of what it is. Take a listen to this. Who has heard the poem called The Snake? So I have it. Does anybody want to hear it again? You sure? Are you sure? Okay. So let's dedicate this to General Kelly, the Border Patrol, and the ICE agents for doing such an incredible job. All right? This was written by Al Wilson a long time ago. And I thought of it having to do with our borders and people coming in. And we know what we're going to have. We're going to have problems. 
We have to very, very carefully vet. We have to be smart. We have to be vigilant. Now, notice he's trying to so put it on the snake. those he coming across the border the here. Snake. On her way to work one morning, down the path along the lake, a tender-hearted woman saw a poor, half-frozen snake. His pretty colored skin had been all frosted with the dew. Poor thing, she cried, I'll take you in, and I'll take care of you. The border. Take me in, O oh tender woman. Take me in, for heaven's sake. Take me in, O oh tender woman, sighed the vicious snake. She wrapped him up all cozy in a comforter of silk and laid him by her fireside with some honey and some milk. She hurried home from work that night, and as soon as she arrived, she found that pretty snake she'd taken in had been revived. Take me in, O oh tender woman. Take me in, for heaven's sake. Take me in, O oh tender woman, sighed that vicious snake. She clutched him to her bosom. You're so beautiful, she cried. But if I hadn't brought you in by now, oh heavens, you would have died. She stroked his pretty skin again and kissed him and held him tight. But instead of saying, Thank you. That snake gave her a vicious bite. Take me in, O oh tender woman. Take me in for heaven's sake. Take me in, O oh tender woman. Sighed the vicious snake. I have saved you, cried the woman. And you've bitten me, heavens, why? You know your bite is poisonous, and now I'm going to die. Oh, shut up, silly woman, said the reptile with a grin. You knew damn well I was a snake before you took me in. Who has heard right, oops. the poem? There he is again. Uh, <clears throat> so he gave this poem before, and he didn't include the, the, uh, the part about it being about the border. And a lot of people had said, he's telling you exactly who he is. Maybe that's that's the case. I just played it for that reason. I thought I'd grab the right one. This is the one after uh, that. But I just wanted you to see this. Now, one of the things that I want, want you to, to realize, and some people says Donald Trump's not getting back in. I don't know if he is or not. I don't know if he is or not. But my guess is they're going to try to push him back in there. Um, and again, this is just showing you what's going on. If the shoe doesn't fit you, don't take offense to me. Okay. If the shoe doesn't fit you, if what I'm talking about here doesn't fit you, you, you don't have to write anything against me. I'm not talking to you. Okay. But we've had Donald Trump retweet and, uh, we brought this out before, um, in a show and I didn't even bring this one up. This one was just coming to mind. But we have had him, um, let me see if I can just pull this up real quick just to show the audience of people who haven't been, who, have, who didn't see it. But this was a show I did, when was this? This is back in like uh, 2020, September of 2020. And um, one of the things that we had was this guy, Wayne Allen Root. Now, I understand he's uh, uh, in, in the libertarian movement, and he put this out here, and Donald Trump retweeted it. Okay? So... So it isn't just his supporters. Some and I, when I say his supporters, I'm not saying all of them. I'm not trying to broad blanket. So I want to make sure that everybody's clear. But there are a, a huge faction of these guys who think like this. They really do think like this, and they put it out there. And Donald Trump has no problem retweeting it. Keep that in mind if you're going to vote for this guy and you're talking pin the tail on the Antichrist stuff. All right, just listen to listen to what he says. This was from August 21st, 2019. You can still see us still on Twitter. This is the original tweet. See, it's a real tweet. It's not an image. Thank you to Wayne Allen Root for the very nice words. 
quote, President Trump is the greatest president for Jews and for Israel in the history of the world. He's not supposed to be the president for Israel and the rest of the world. He's supposed to be the president of the United States, period. They, did, they are not to elect him. They're not to fund him. They're not to, you know, drive his conscience in any way. He serves the people of the United States, not the people of Israel. Sorry, guys. It's the way it is. And Israel worships him, too. Not just America. He is the best president for Israel in the history of the world, and the Jewish people in Israel love him. Like he's the king of Israel. I want to ask you something, friends. Who's the one and only king of Israel? Is it Donald Trump? Who's the king of the Jews? Is it Donald Trump? Now, Scripture tells us it's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself. That's not all. He's like the king of Israel. They love him like he is the second coming of God. But American Jews don't know him or like him. They don't even know what they're doing or saying anymore. It makes no sense, but that's okay. If he keeps doing what he's doing, he's good for all Jews, blacks, gays, everyone. And importantly, he's good for everyone in America who wants a job. <laughs> end quote. And Donald Trump doesn't say, wait a minute, Wayne. Um, look, I'm just a man like you. He doesn't do like the angel did to John in the book of Revelation. He says, get up and quit doing that. I'm a servant just like you. Quit falling down and worshiping me. You worship God. D does Donald Trump do that? Nope. Wow. Thank you for the kind words. And you can call me what you want to call me. It doesn't change the fact that that's what he put out. And if you support the guy, you're supporting a guy who has a Messiah complex. There's just no question about it. No question about it. Remember him on TV saying, I'm the chosen one. And he's looking up to heaven. All those are spiritual implications for deception, guys. And I'm calling on those who engage in that deception and continue to support that, that kind of idolatry and self-idolatry to repent. Why in the world would Christians support this? It makes no sense to me at all. I can tell you this, if Barack Hussein Obama Satoru Sabarka were doing this right here, if he had said some of these things, if he had retweeted these things like Donald Trump had, I can guarantee you the very people who are giving excuses for Trump and all of these things would be just eviscerating him over. They do the same for, for Joe Biden. If it's a Democrat, they'll do it. If it's a Republican, they won't. They want to follow Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment, which I think is kind of blasphemous. You know, you don't attack fellow conservatives. Well, if they're not being conservative, you oust them and expose them. Sorry, that's what you do. So there's that. Then we've heard, and by the way, when I say Donald Trump didn't rebuke Wayne Allen Root, which he should have done, I mean, I would have done that. I would have done that. I'd be like, dude, you need to take that off. That's blasphemous. It's idolatry. And I would have called him to repentance in a tweet rather than retweeted it. Donald Trump, in doing that, um, he is very much like Herod that we read about in Acts chapter 12. In fact, that was immediately where I was. When I first saw that, uh, this tweet here, I, it was, this is, that, that's where my mind went. And in Acts chapter 12, you remember, uh, Herod's then killed off James. He's imprisoned Peter. Um, and now he's going out and he's going to speak to the people. And this is what we come to in Acts chapter 12. And Herod, uh, excuse me, let's come down here. And upon a set day, Herod, arraigned in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout saying, he was giving a speech. That's what he was doing. Maybe he was reading the snake poem. I don't know. It is the voice of a God and not of man. That's what the people said to Herod. And Herod didn't stop him from praising him as a God. I want you to notice that. And then what happens immediately when they say that? And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. But the word of God grew and multiplied. 
let me tell you something. These guys are going to get what's coming to them if they continue down this road. And you can try to shut up those who are giving you the word of God all you want to, and all you're going to do is cause it to grow and multiply. It's kind of like what we learned about a cancer from G. Edward Griffin. You can go in and even a biopsy, cutting and taking the part out, you can cause it to multiply. And that's how the church has grown anyway. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. See, men will eventually show themselves for who they are, and they're not basically good. They're basically wicked, and this is why they need a Savior from their wickedness and their sin. See, men are kind of uh, kept in check in this country for large measure due to their creature comforts. You start pulling away the creature comforts, and you're going to see just how wicked men can be. We've seen it in other countries. You're also going to see how good men can be who are led by the Spirit of God. There'll be a vast contrast of light and darkness in those times. Hungry bellies tend to do that stuff. They tend to show men for who they are. So that's in there. Now, the other, let's see, as, as long as I can remember when people were talking about Trump and all of these kinds of things, um, one of the things that they did was they promoted Trump as, uh, you know, on par. He's like King Cyrus, King Cyrus in the book of Daniel. And um, <clears throat> it's interesting because these people say they don't want a king that support Trump. They, they want a president who will follow the Constitution, this, that, and the other. But then they'll support him on all kinds of things that aren't even constitutional. He has no authority on. They'll do these kinds of things. And um, they are like those that we find over in the book of Hosea. And remember, and I'm, I've done shows on this too, where I've pointed out, I said, why don't, we why don't we look at the character of men? Nope, ain't got time for that because we're not electing the pastor in chief to him. And I always tell them, so you want a less moral character of a man in the White House or in Congress or wherever than you do from the guy in your pulpit? How, do, how does that work? Well, it doesn't. And so what we have is in Hosea 8, here's, what, here's what's going on. He says, set the trumpet to thy mouth, he shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. And Israel shall cry unto me, My God, we know thee. Israel hath cast off the thing that is good. The enemy shall pursue him. For they have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. Of their silver and their gold have they made them idols, that they may be cut off. Thy calf, O Samaria, has cast thee off. Mine anger is kindled against them. How long will it be ere they attain to innocency? I mean, God is talking about destroying them for their idolatry. Their adulteries, their spiritual adulteries, as it were. That's what he's talking about. And now we've got people in clear violation of what Scripture says. I mean, it's, it's absolutely clear. So we had Dr. Michael Brown get behind these people who are pushing Trump as somehow equal with King uh, Cyrus in the book of Daniel. And so I gave, I, I wrote a, an article here citing uh, Dr. Brown. And by the way, we had, uh, when I was at Nicene Council, we took up an issue with him regarding Charles Finney. Uh, on a documentary we had done, and Michael Brown didn't want to hear what we were pointing out. He wanted to justify it. He wanted to make, and I'm not saying he's some terrible guy, but I'm just saying, man, this stuff was in their own hands. And this guy should have known the difference too. So one of the things that, that I pointed out was, is that, you know, Cyrus had specific prophecies given about him. Right, um, the scripture had been clear that even naming him before he was born, 
which is pretty incredible. Not not hard for God to do. He tells the the end from the beginning, but even named him as the one who was going to be used of God to release his people. And some people think Cyrus remained a pagan. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But I see a heart towards the people, and even the fact that he, when he sends them back, he warns people who want to stop them from building the wall, hey, you're going to be in big trouble with me. I gave the order that they can go back there and do that, and that's for their God. So he had a love for the people, and it seems at least outwardly he's given some affection towards God and saying, take these things and go build the city and build your temple and do all this stuff. And we know God is in control of the heart of the king. No question about that either. But we don't have any biblical prophecies for Donald Trump. We have them for Cyrus. But what else do we know? I want to take you down the road here just a little bit on that one because that one is probably the most prevalent argument I hear for continuing to support Trump. Well, he doesn't have to be perfect. God has used imperfect men. He doesn't have anybody else to use, folks. <laughs> doesn't have anybody else to use but imperfect men. Sorry, he doesn't. My argument is not with perfection, at least not in the sense that I'm meaning it in. Mine is an issue of moral character and pointing out that the supporters are reflecting in him themselves. Or he is a reflection of them, I should say. So let's read just a little bit here, okay? This is from Flavius Josephus. This is Antiquities of the Jews. If you haven't got that book, you really need to have it in your library. It's, it's a, you can buy the hardcover, fairly inexpensive. Um, but you need to have a copy of that, especially if you're going to be doing any study in uh, Revelation or uh, Daniel, any of these other, Matthew 24, any of that. You, you want to have a copy of Josephus. And if you can get it, you can get uh, Philo. Philo. Uh, you can get a copy of that in with it as well. Right, so this is from Antiquities of the Jews. And we'll read a couple of things here. It gets a little lengthy, but I want you to kind of have this. I, I, I want you to be equipped with information that you can share with people who, who make these correlations. Okay. In the first year of the reign of Cyrus, which was the 70th from the day that our people were removed out of their own land into Babylon, God commiserated the captivity and calamity of these poor people, according as he had foretold to them by Jeremiah the prophet, before the destruction of the city, that after they had served Nebuchadnezzar and his posterity, and after they had undergone this servitude 70 years, he would restore them again to the land of their fathers, and God kept his promise. And they should build their temple and enjoy their ancient prosperity. And these things God did afford them, for he stirred up the mind of Cyrus and made him write this throughout all Asia. Quote, Thus saith Cyrus the king, Since God Almighty hath appointed me to be king of the habitable earth, I believe that he is that God which the nation of Israel worships. He didn't say he was the God. He didn't say he was like the second coming of God. He didn't say he was the king of Israel. He said, I believe the God who appointed me here, whom the nation of the Israelites worship, is the true God. That's what he's saying. For indeed he foretold my name by the prophets, and that I should build him a house at Jerusalem in the country of Judea. Number two, this was known to Cyrus by his reading the book, which Isaiah left behind him of his prophecies. For this prophet said that God had spoken thus to him in a secret vision, quote, My will is that Cyrus, whom I have appointed to be king over many and great nations, send back my people to their land and build my temple, end quote. This was foretold by Isaiah 140 years before the temple was demolished, and accordingly, when Cyrus read this and admired the divine power, an earnest desire and ambition seized upon him to fulfill that, or to fulfill what was so written. So he called for the most eminent Jews that were in Babylon and said to them that he gave them leave to go back to their own country and to rebuild their city, Jerusalem and the temple of God, for that he would be their assistant, and that he would write to the rulers and governors that were in the neighborhood of their country of Judea, that they should contribute the, to them gold and silver for the building of the temple, and besides that, beasts for their sacrifices. He goes on, number three, 
When Cyrus had said this to the Israelites, the rulers of the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin with the Levites and priests went in haste to Jerusalem, yet did many of them stay at Babylon as not willing to leave their possessions. And when they were come to and when they were come thither, all the king's friends assisted them and brought in for the building of the temple some gold and some silver and some a great many cattle and horses. So they performed their vows to God and offered the sacrifices that had been a custom of old time. I mean, this upon the rebuilding of their city and the revival of the ancient practices relating to their worship. Cyrus also sent back to them the vessels of God, which King Nebuchadnezzar had pillaged out of the temple and had carried to Babylon. So he committed these things to Mithridates, the treasurer, to be sent away with an order to give him to Sanabasar. Then he might keep that he might keep them till the temple was built, and when it was finished, he might deliver them to the priests and rulers of the multitude. In order to their being restored to the temple, Cyrus also sent an epistle to the governors that were in Syria, the contents whereof here follow. And here's what he wrote King Cyrus to Sicines and Sathrabuzanes sendeth greeting. I have given leave to as many of the Jews that dwell in my country as pleased to return to their own country and to rebuild their city and to build the temple of God at Jerusalem on the same place where it was before. I have also sent my treasurer, Mithridates and Zerubbabel, the governor of the Jews, that they may lay the foundations of the temple and may build it six, 60 cubits high, and of the same latitude make three edifices of polished stones, one of the wood of the country, and the same order extends to the altar whereon they offer sacrifices to God. I require also that the expenses for these things may be given out of my revenues. Moreover, I have also sent the vessels which King Nebuchadnezzar pillaged out of the temple, and have given them to Mithridates, uh, the treasurer, and to Zerubbabel, the governor of the Jews, that they may have them carried to Jerusalem, may restore them to the temple of God. Now their number is as follows, 50 chargers of gold. He goes through a thing of all the stuff he sends back. And then he goes down here and he says, uh, and the priests shall also offer these sacrifices according to the laws of Moses in Jerusalem. This is, this is Cyrus. This is what he's talking about. And when they offer them, they shall pray to God for the preservation of the king, of his family, that the kingdom of Persia may continue. But my will is that those who disobey these injunctions and make them void shall be hung upon a cross and their substance brought into the king's treasury. So if you're opposed to the worship of God and what he is going to, he's paying for and commissioning the people of Israel to go back and do in, in service of the worship of God, he says, we're going to hang you on a cross. We're not going to put up with you people. I mean, that doesn't sound very inclusive. I'm just saying, some people say you remain, maybe that doesn't sound very inclusive if you ask me. Anyway, and such was the import of this epistle. Now, the number of those that came out of captivity to Jerusalem were 42,000. And he goes on here. So we compare this, and I, I wrote this here. We compare a contrast between what Cyrus is doing and what you know Nebuchadnezzar was doing. Nebuchadnezzar was a wicked king. And you remember God had to strike him. I mean, almost cause him to lose it. what well, he did. He caused him to lose his mind, to behave like a beast. And the amazing thing was that God held his throne for seven years. Nebuchadnezzar lived like a beast, eating grass, growing out big claws. His hair was growing out. All this kind of stuff. And then the Bible says that his, his mind returned to him. His senses came to him. How did they come to him? Because God took away what he had smote him with. Because of his arrogance and because of his pride. And what did Nebuchadnezzar do immediately? <laughs> I can't fight against the God of gods. I can't fight against God's kingdom. It is established forever. I mean, he is a rebuke to anybody that thinks they can do that. Why? Because God used him to teach a lesson, not just to Nebuchadnezzar, but to people today. And so 
He was prideful and God brought him down. What do you see, even when reading the snake point, what do you see in, in, the, in the posture, in the, in the face there of even of Donald Trump? And you see, look, it's not just Donald Trump. You see it in the face of Joe Biden, too. You see it in Joe Biden's face. I mean, just the kind of smirk that's there. Oh, Tim, you're just picking on the guy. No, I, I'm really not doing that. What I'm doing is I'm trying to warn the people about your idolatry. What does the Bible say? Exodus chapter 20, and I quote, I've quoted this often, but uh, when you get down to the second commandment, which you find in verses 4 and 5, and they are expounded from the first commandment, what do we have? And there's a reason. So let me, let me read the context here, just a couple of verses before, because there's a reason these commands come, okay? And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So he starts off saying, I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery. It's me. And as a result of me doing that and putting my love upon you and showing you and delivering you, and I'm going to establish a covenant with you, I'm not doing that with everybody. I'm not doing that with the nations around you. So all those people who don't believe in election stuff, here it is. Here's God doing it. He's doing it with a whole people here. He didn't do this for Egypt. He didn't do this for Syria. He didn't do this for Nineveh. He didn't do this for any of the nations around Israel. He didn't. He called them out. He put his love upon them, and he gave them his covenant, and he gave them his covenant promises of protection, but he also gave them his covenant promises of curses if they didn't obey him. And to be very, to be very blunt, God was more than merciful and gracious to Israel because from the day they had the covenant, they were breaking it. And so he starts off and he says, you shall have no other gods before me. Why? Because I'm your God and I brought you out of Egypt. And then he says, you shall, or thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. Why? For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Why are you a jealous God? Because I'm the only God, and I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So he's very clear. You don't make any images of anything in heaven above, on the earth beneath, or that is in the waters under the earth. What does that include? Does that include men too? Yep. And what do we see? Well, I showed you CPAC, um, where they made the, uh, the golden idol of, of Donald Trump. But sometimes you don't have to make that. Sometimes the image is right here. Let me ask you something. How many of you, you can go through a store or you can go in somebody's home and they got what I call artist rendition of Jesus? How many of you have seen those, right? And nobody has to tell you who the, who the artist image is, do they? You automatically identify that. Why do you do that? Because you're trained to do it. Is that idolatry? I think it's, I think it's very, very idolatrous. I've told you, Jesus is not humiliated anymore. He is glorified. We don't know what he looked like. In fact, the Bible says there was nothing to really look upon him for. He didn't stand out from the crowd in his appearance. And usually he's sort of a lily white boy, right? That is an idol that's been created in your mind. It's why the early church, early on, early on, when they started bringing in images and stuff, a lot of guys caused a big stink about that and said, wait, wait, wait a minute. The Bible gave us a word book, not a picture book. It's dangerous stuff. It really is. 
But idolatry has been around since the beginning. In fact, I wanted to close with this part right here. And look, this is not just about Donald Trump. This is about any man. Shoot, you could do this with your boss. You could do this with you know, your favorite celebrity or whatever. You can do these very things with them. And I'm sure there are people who do it. No doubt in my mind. Well, when we go over to Daniel chapter 3, I want to remind you of what came before that. And that was Nebuchadnezzar, who we were talking about a minute ago in comparison with Cyrus. And again, there's no comparison with Cyrus. Cyrus freed the people. He promoted the worship of the true and living God. We just read it. And then what happens? We come to Donald Trump, and you go, and some people say, oh, well, he was so good for the economy. Really? Why did, why did he leave office almost $10 trillion more in debt than when he took office? Why did he sign the largest spending bill in U.S. history? Did he free the people? Nope. He declared a state of emergency so that these governors in these states could follow these mandates, put these lockdowns in place, all this kind of... Did he do anything to stop it? Nope. He teed up the shot so that, yeah, he didn't mandate it, but he teed them up and he spent your money to do it. That's called theft. That's not authorized in the Constitution. Billions of dollars. And he teed it up so Joe Biden could mandate it. Same thing with a mask. And he promoted people who are lying to you like Fauci and Burks. I mean, you, you have to understand the difference between him and Cyrus. But here we have in Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar. And he's been told that, he's, that, that he had a dream. Daniel says, you've had a dream. There's this image. Uh, the head of gold is you. It's Babylon. You've got the chest and arms of silver. That's Media Persia. And then Greece comes along with thighs of brass. And then you've got the legs of iron. That's Rome. And then you've got the, the feet and the, t and the ten toes. The revived Rome. And I guess Nebuchadnezzar gets it in his mind. Well, I'll just make an idol that's all of gold. I don't want to be just the head. I want to be the whole thing. And this is part of what leads up to where the angel strikes him for his pride and arrogance. And we'll read this. I'll just go over just a little bit. So if you want to catch that, sonsoflibertymedia.com. But it will just be to, to show this, I, this level of idolatry that engulfs the people. So here we are. Nebuchadnezzar's had that dream revealed to him, and it says, The king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather, uh, to gather, to gather, to gather, to gather <laughs> the, pro the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image, of, the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then all herald, then in herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, Flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And whoso faileth not down, or whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, um, psaltery, and all kinds of music, and all the people, the nations, the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king of Nebuch uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worship, worshipeth, that he should be cast in the midst of the fiery furnace. We're going to pick up with that. Uh, on the other side here, if you want to catch that, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And I got to tell you, if you are engaged in any form of this kind of idolatry, God calls you to repent. Turn from that. Stop doing it.
It's not going to make America great. It's going to turn America into hell. It's going to keep turning it into hell. We need to repent before the Lord. Bradley, be with you at 3. We'll be back with you in the morning. Lord willing, 6 a.m. Talk to you then. See you. All right, I want to welcome everybody who's coming over from Red State Talk Radio and just want to pick up with this because you've got to see how this encompasses the people who are here. And we pick up in verse 12 of Daniel chapter 3. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set above the affairs. And you, you remember these guys. They're from chapter 1. They're with Daniel. They're friends with Daniel. And what, what's going on? Well, they, they've stood for a small thing in what they eat and what they drink. They wouldn't eat the king's meat. They didn't want the king's wine. And they, they asked, and God gave favor to the guy who was over them. And he gave them what they asked for, which was water and lentils. So they start accusing them. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were the guys he, he I mean, he took them. They were, he took them as slaves from, from Israel. He had raised them up with Daniel. Now they're, they're in his company of, you know, trusted guys over parts of Babylon. And he commanded to bring them in. They brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I had made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? See, Nebuchadnezzar has already erected himself as a God. What God's going to be compared to me? Who's going to deliver you out of my hands? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love the answer. I mean, they don't even miss a beat. It doesn't even say they paused here. They just heard what was said. And they answered and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? Because he was embarrassed. His pride had been confronted by a couple of Hebrews who were prisoners of war, if you will. Therefore, he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. I mean, I guess if you're going to die in a fire, you want it as hot as it can be so that whatever suffering you have, if you have any, is very quick. So, to me, you would think this is sort of a mercy to them. I don't know. But he does that. And he commanded the most mighty men that, they, that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The fire's so hot, and the way I've seen it done was they kind of had uh, sort of a, a heel, if you will, and they dug a hole in there and they fed it. They fed the fire through the bottom. They cut it out and they fed the fire through it. And they would take the guys up and they would throw them in through the top. As they're doing that, the guys who taken them up are killed. They're killed by the flames. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he said, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, 
walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And Nebuchadnezzar came near to, it's more that he's saying he looks like, a, looks like a, one of the gods. Came, because he's not a believer at this point, obviously. Came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whom whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. I, I begin to wonder if the guys who pointed out uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as not bowing down, I, I wonder if they began to quake in their boots. These guys don't even smell like smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He, he kind of, you know, he gives some homage here. It's short-lived, but it, it is some homage that he gives. Who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language would speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the provinces of Babylon. One of the things in this king... that you see that changes. Sounds like he's maybe had a conversion, right? That's what it sounds like. It's short-lived because if you read Daniel chapter 4, he's still in his pride and arrogance. And that's where he gets smitten by the angel. And we see what happened. This is in chapter 4, verse 33. And I'll draw this to a close. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. He's talking about what Daniel said was going to happen to him. And he was driven from men, did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my... Now, this is real conversion, folks. This is, this is when a heart of stone is taken out and there's a heart of flesh given. This is when there is given life. Listen to what happens. And mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. This is Nebuchadnezzar. These are his words. And among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. Or say unto him, What doest thou? Why are you doing this? At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. It was given back to him. Who gave it back to him? Same one who gave him back his mind, God. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Friends, John Calvin said it best. He said our, our hearts are little idol factories. That's what we do. We're idolaters. By nature. By nature we're that. And if you stroke that ego of someone who is clearly a narcissist and you put them in positions of authority and they're ignorant of the law and what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do, you are creating a recipe for tyranny. And I... I show you these people. If you're not one of these people that I've talked about, one of these people, the shoe doesn't fit, don't, then you have nothing, you have nothing really to say here except, amen. That's right. That's right, Tim. But if you're one of these people who hear this and see some of the things and listen to some of the things I pointed out here, I don't know how you can continue to support a man 
in a position of authority who is the very epitome of this and who says and does these kinds of things. I don't know how you do it, especially if you call yourself a Christian. You're just asking for tyranny. Well, he's better than Joe Biden. What does that mean? How high does the bar have to be set to say Joe Biden's good for anybody? That's not saying it. It's like, well, they're better than Hillary. Well, how high is that bar? If that bar is an inch off the floor, and that's the bar for Hillary or, or Biden or whoever, that's not a very high standard, is it? This is why I go back to Hosea. You know, they're putting up kings. I don't know them. They're putting up princes. I didn't appoint those guys. Now, you want to know who you, who you support? You support men of character. And they've demonstrated it in their own homes. 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1. That gives you character. But what do we do? We pick whoever tells us the sweetest words that we want to hear. They say the things that we want to hear. They don't necessarily do the things we want them to do, but they say the things that we want to hear. And usually they have an R on their jersey, don't they? Isn't that, isn't that really what it comes down to? That that's the mindset we've been put into? Might as well call it MK Ultra Mind Control. I mean, we got people talking about red states and blue states. What? People talking what jersey they got on. Democrat, Republican. If that isn't, if that isn't a mind control, if that is not a governing of your minds, that's what government is, to govern, to control, mind, control the mind. If that isn't that, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. What's the message? The message is repent. It's the same one it's always been. Did Jesus die for idolaters? Yep. Saved a bunch of idolaters through history. That was one of them. And I didn't, I, I, I didn't have idolatry like some of this stuff I see. Mine was more in, internal. But here's this stuff. And what are, what are we going to do? Do I remain silent because somebody says, oh, you're going to bash Trump? No, I'm just pointing out the fruit that's there. It's right there. It's on his lips. It's in his life. It's in his tweets. It's in his videos. And as you see, there are people who are putting up things that are blurring the lines between him and Jesus. Don't think that Satan in behind that anyway. That's what he wants to do. He wants his counterfeits in place to deceive the masses. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. May the Lord grant who needs repentance. May he grant them repentance. I, I truly pray that. I really do. Guys, Bradley will be with you at 3 o'clock. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And we'll be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. Talk to you then. See you.